Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Global Watch International Call, and this is Boot Camp Day 3. Yesterday, we discussed the first part, which is the individual call, and how that is closely linked to our identity and our authority, emphasizing the truth that it's God who defines who we are. And today, we're going to discuss the corporate call. And there are two verses for the corporate call. They are Nehemiah 4, verses 19 and 20. The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. The second key verse is Isaiah 58, 12. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. It's a pleasure to see you again tonight. We did talk about the individual call of the watchman, and we gave an example of Peter. You know, Peter was the blustery disciple and energetic and would never leave Jesus and would die for him, which he eventually did. But the whole scenario was the power of a love encounter with Jesus in our individual lives is life-changing and it's critical for us to understand in these days. And Peter came from complete failure, denying Jesus three times and falling asleep on the, on the job in the Mount of Olives and in the Garden of Gethsemane to become, come into a love encounter with Jesus and become a pillar in the church, healing people, raising them from the dead and being a, a strong voice for the emerging church. So that love encounter, our personal love life with Jesus is absolutely critical because it leads to another thing, which is our corporate community. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. And tonight we're going to uh, focus on that horizontal uh, place of community uh, amongst us. And it is a core value for us to have that uh, community time. In a measure, we're we're seeing something emerge here as we started the year out with the 21 days and just stepping into the twice a day paradigm. It's like we are stepping back into the pages of biblical history when God commanded the Israelites and spoke to Moses about morning and evening sacrifice, that that is how they would go into their journeys in the wilderness. Since Exodus 29, 42, it says, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations in the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And in verse 45, it says, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. Now, this morning and evening sacrifice traveled with Israel throughout the wilderness journeys into the promised land. And morning and evening sacrifices woven throughout biblical history and even into the New Testament. It was the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. That's why we've chosen that ninth hour. Guess what? That was the evening sacrifice time. And Jesus died. He gave it all on the ninth hour. When we were planning, just stepping into this paradigm of twice a day, 
morning, evening rhythm. One of the facilitators that was helping us with this said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna step into a rhythm of heaven. And I believe that's what we're seeing unfold before our eyes as we intentionally gather morning and evening. Now doing morning break of dawn time of prayer, we are still moving forward into developing morning and evening gatherings for an international community. And what I have sensed and what I'm hearing in the spirit is what's forming is a council room of heaven for the nations as we can be intentional about gathering together to honor the Lord, to pray, to seek his face, to hear from one another. It's becoming a, a corporate family for the nations. So this corporateness is really at the very foundations of the church when God took them out into Israel, into the wilderness he set up a standard of corporate worship and intercession that again has gone through scriptures in fact isaiah declares in isaiah 56 7 that his house would be a house of prayer for all nations and what did jesus say when he went into the temple and found all these money changers he said what it says that my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations and he tipped over the tables. So that is not somebody hidden away in their closet. My house shall be called a house of prayer, a house for all nations. So corporate prayer is a, a, a critical part of uh, the modern day church, what we are to be. And in fact, throughout revival history, it's embedded in corporate prayer. Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf He's the father of the Moravian outpouring. We've got people from Herrenhut, Germany on this line tonight. He said that there is no Christianity without community. And so that's why we are emphasizing this as being a vital part of the watch movement. In fact, Herrenhut means the Lord's watch. And we've been holding international watchman meetings there, had, had a grace to do that since 2017. There is an important reason for us to be called together corporately. And today, many of you out there are involved with corporate prayer from a house of prayer movement that is emerging literally throughout the nations. And right now, if you scan the Christian horizon, the churches and denominations, the mainline uh, branch of the church, it's still a remnant that is doing this. And you know that 9-11 was a very big deal for us. You can go back to the first day when we talked about how 9-11 spurred, has really spurred the vision for this global watch. When the 9-11 attacks occurred, for me, it was like an alarm. And I, I pulled all our boys together. They were in, in grade school at the time. And I, I, I pulled them together and said, you're not going anywhere until we figure out what's happening here. And uh, there was a spurt of energy of people gathering together and pray across the United States. But within a couple months, everything went silent. And I was beside myself. I mean, this is like, this was a major birth pain. If you look back, life has not been the same since the 9-11 attacks. And I found an, a research article by George Barna that evaluated this state of concern 
in the American church in December of 2001. Now, this is just a few months after the attacks. And it says literally, after the 9-11 attacks, religious activities surged, but within two months, virtually every spiritual indicator available suggested that things were back to pre-attack levels. Whoa. He repeated it in 2006 and found that the, the, despite an intense surge in religious activity and expression in the weeks immediately following 9-11, the faith of Americans is virtually indistinguishable today compared to pre-attack levels. Wow. That confirmed my concern. And then fast forward to about a year and a half ago, I was doing some study on a corporate prayer in the, in the church. And I came across this study by Barna again. And what he did was he studied the state of prayer in the How Americans Pray. It's called Silent and Solo, How Americans Pray. It it's, was done in 2017. And he found that 2% of Americans pray audibly or collectively within the church. And I'm just thinking, what? Jesus said our house of prayer, our house, his house should be a house of prayer for all nations. And it it's, has set my heart on a journey to discover that actually when you start looking at prayer literature out there, a lot of it is about our personal relationship with God, which is all good. But try to find one book, one good book on corporate prayer, and it's really hard to find. And it's like, this is the foundation stone of the church. It's gone, you guys. Anybody who has tried to raise up corporate prayer in their church knows how hard it is to get people mobilized into it. You can get them surrounded into an event, or you can get them surrounded into some kind of catastrophe. You can see them people praying, but where is that underlying house of prayer? Where is that thing that, that God spoke to Moses about in the Mount Sinai? Continually, morning and evening, morning and evening. And I'm submitting to you that there is an impartation going out for that to be raised up again, morning and evening. Let us not let the fire go out on the altar of our homes, out of our churches. Come on, that foundation stone must be relayed. And I believe that's one of the challenges that we have here as watchmen is to relay the importance of that continued community of prayer in the church. Enough said. <laughs> so why is that fire so hard to bring about? And I would submit to you that there is a conflict in, in the realms of the Christian community where there may be disagreements and all of these things. And how can we begin to bring things together so that we are not so separated on the wall? And I would submit to you that what we need to know about is how to handle conflict amongst brethren. Fred will get into this a little bit more, but I just wanna to talk to you a little bit about what does the Bible say about conflict? And isn't it a nice Christian thing to do to you know, just avoid it and be the nice person all the time? And that's really how Fred and I really functioned for a number of years. It's like, I just don't wanna, I don't wanna stir up the, the feathers here. Let's just keep calm and peaceful and be, be nice. 
And we learned that, you know what? If there's conflict, if you don't deal with it, it's gonna come back to bite you. It's like an alligator in the swamp. And, you know, if we're looking at the corporate climate of the, of the church right now, we'll speak about this tomorrow night, but I'm gonna just interject this. If we have a church that is not basically engaged with corporate prayer and sidelines it, we're in the times where we're looking at 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, where there's going to be a great falling away because the times are going to get challenging. What's going to happen with the church? And I believe we are really under some pressures now. And I'm praying that it will bring us all back to that place of corporate prayer. I believe that's why things are getting difficult, is God is saying, get back. Please rebuild my house. It is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Paul cautions Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.1 and says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Isn't that fun? <laughs> well, I would say that Matthew eleven twelve is real, that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. But let's look at David, somebody in the Bible. David was a man after God's own heart. And what did he do in the face of Goliath? He ran towards the conflict. He, he dealt with Saul in a number of different ways, but he did not run away from it. He confronted it. And I believe that there is protection in us if we learn how to handle conflict and become peacemakers because this is the hour for the peacemakers, for they shall be what? Called what? The sons of God. Conflict can actually be a blessing. It doesn't need to be something that we run away from. <laughs> what does unresolved conflict do to us? Well, first of all, it blocks our fellowship with God and with others. 1 John 4, 20 says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Hebrews 12, 15 also gives a warning. Look, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Listen, I say this with all um, due respect, but there are, are leaders in the Christian world that are wounded and they haven't dealt with that root of bitterness and it will end up impacting everyone they have influence over. I've seen it. And I would encourage us all on this call this week, that bitterness, anything that erupts in you, that, you know, oh, that, that situation you had to go through way back when, if, if that, that rage rises up within you, get before the Lord and have that love encounter so that he can deal with us and get that root out of you. Because within that, you're going to come into so much freedom and understanding and a rootedness in Christ that you can never experience holding on to that root of bitterness. What else does holding on to conflict block? It blocks our prayers from being answered. 
If we are out of fellowship with others, how can we have fellowship with God? James 4, 2, 3 says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Hey, that's a good reason to get our conflicts handled, right, guys? Here's another blocker. What does it do? It blocks our happiness. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That's us, guys. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Wow. It blocks our fellowship with God. It blocks prayers from being answered, and it blocks our happiness. That's enough to get you going, isn't it? Well, what happens when we pursue conflict and we manage it well? It increases our faith. David, well, David runs into Goliath and the army, and he's looking at this whole army with their knees knocking. And then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what? What shall be done with the, for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Wow, what an attitude. There's another verses in Hebrews 10, 30 to 38. I won't go through it. It's quite long, but it will encourage you that the righteous one shall live by faith and in no pleasure in one who shrinks back. There's no pleasure in that. So what else does managing conflict do? It increases our wisdom. First Samuel 18, 15 and 30, David was in Saul's household and David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. In fact, when he is running away from Saul, he ran into the Philistine camp. He ran right into his enemy camp and lived amongst them and served them. And he earned the trust of the Philistines. How many would like to do that? No wonder he was a man after God's own heart. So it increases our faith. It increases our wisdom. It increases respect. When Abigail came to David to try to thwart David from killing her husband, she went right into the conflict. And she approached David very humbly. And what does David respond to her? So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Wow. It increases our faith. It increases our wisdom. And it increases the respect amongst others. And we get increased intimacy with God. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then go and come after your gift. Come offer your gift. So it, it, it increases our freedom in Christ and it increases our capacity to love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love, love suffers long and is kind. 
Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. And I'm here to tell you that I believe that there is a way that we can approach conflict in a kind manner and see it produce fruit for the kingdom. So it increases our faith, wisdom, respect, freedom in Christ, capacity to love. And finally, what happens? And this is one of our core values is Isaiah 58, nine. We become repairers of the breach and restores a street to dwell in. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Listen, that's about blaming somebody else for something that happened. Always take these conflict situations and ask God, what are you teaching me through it? And I believe there will be great fruit for the kingdom. And so I wanna turn it over to my husband who is an amazing conflict manager. <laughs> and he's got some words for you too. Yes, that's very kind of you, Sue. However, that was not at all true just a few years ago. I was the chief of, if we ignore it, it will just go away. And so I was trying to keep my wife out of conflict and myself. And unfortunately, we learned the hard way. And, and actually, in the, in the global watch, as things get going, and there was more people involved and there was more conflict involved, that in fact, if we didn't address the conflict, that it didn't go away, it actually got worse. And so we had to learn how to deal with it. The, the good news is how to deal with it really isn't that complicated. And, and we found that out and now we're doing that on a regular basis. And it's very simple. What happens when you have a conflict is you need to go directly to the person that you're having the conflict with and you need to just spend some time and talk with them half an hour, an hour, however long it takes. But most of the time, the vast majority of the time, there's some misunderstanding because you didn't understand where they were coming from. You didn't understand what they were trying to do and they didn't understand you. And when you can listen to, take the time and listen to each other and speak to each other about it, most of the time it gets resolved. It also is just so important that when we are speaking life to each other and blessing each other that as a lifestyle, you can handle conflict in a life-giving way that's not beating up the other person or accusing them. And it is so satisfying when you work it out. And what we've found is that usually what it does is it draws you closer to the person. You get closer to each other because then you have the confidence that if there's a problem, you can work it out. Anyone who is married and has been married for a while knows that this is an essential part of marriage. It's an essential part of the marriage covenant because you don't have the option of just saying, well, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I'm just going to go my own way. And it's relatively simple, but the sooner that you do it, the, the better it is. And so that's our very simple lesson in conflict management. And it is so important because in the watch, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to be getting along with each other, not just getting along, but really loving each other. And, and sometimes it just means that we have to agree that we're going to disagree on a particular subject, but that doesn't mean that it's going to break the relationship. So we're on the adventure. Susan and I are not experts on this really, but we're, we're trying to walk it out and it's very helpful. And we give that to you. So now, Susan, I think we need to just briefly to talk about a couple things. One was the power of agreement and the other was about blessing 
and speaking life over each other. We're just gonna be brief about this, but the power of agreement in the corporate as watchmen, we need to know how to come into agreement with each other. There's a couple of really good teachings on the power of agreement by Dean Briggs that are on our, the links to those are on our website. It's amazing, you'll get a new appreciation of the power of agreement and how great it is. One of the things that Dean said that is so true is that it doesn't take many people to have the power of God in this. You don't have to have a huge numbers of people. You just have to have two people in agreement with God. Let me just say this also, that there's really two steps to the power of agreement. One is the first and actually the most important is that you line up with God's heart in whatever the matter is that you're needing to come into agreement over. I just want to reference you to John 15, verses 7 and verse 16. Verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And then in verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You know, that is an amazing promise. And the key to it is abiding in him and having his words abide in us. Now, what does abide mean? For me, that really means, I, the way I conceptualize it the best, is that it means walking and operating in God's presence. And this is the key to supernatural agreement. When we're walking in his presence, we're in tune with him and we're in tune with his heart and what his desire is. And when we're corporately doing that, it's much easier to come into agreement with each other. But so I want to just point out this. Jesus said two or three. If two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And if two of you agree in anything on earth concerning what they ask, it will be done for them. He didn't say a hundred. He didn't say a thousand. He didn't even say 50. He said two or three. And we need to really understand this. This is the, the power of the watch. In order to harness the power of agreement, we don't need many people. We just need to be abiding in, in the Lord and agreeing with each other. And it's much easier to agree if we're abiding in him. So this is just an encouragement. When we get together in our small groups, even if the watch that you're in isn't very big, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're abiding in him and you're agreeing with each other. So that's, those are the verses but, you, yes. Yep, but remember Dean Briggs spoke about the power of community, that the character of your community is more important than the passion of your prayers. Yeah, that's right. That's right, because you can have 10 people who are praying together. If they're not in agreement, you know, one cancels out the other. It's not going to be helpful. It's not going to be powerful. So this is why it's so important that we are in one, we're in agreement with each other in the community. Let me just briefly say something about blessing and speaking life over each other. Key verse here is Hebrews 10, or key passage is Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I want to just say something about blessing just briefly. We all know the uh, ironic blessing numbers 622 to 27. Just going to read that and just 
make a comment on it, how powerful that is. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then he says, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. This is an incredibly powerful verse or passage because it's, it was in the Old Testament, it was on the children of Israel. Now it's on the believers, on those who, who believe. You bless the believers and God will bless them. He incorporates us to be able to give people a special blessing. And when he says, they shall, just think about this, when he says, they shall put my name on the children of Israel. My name, God has many names in scripture, and they're all descriptive of his character. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. When you're blessing someone in the name of the Lord, you're putting his name on them. And you, this, there's mighty power and it just, it changes you and it changes the person that you're blessing. You're anointing them with God's character and with his favor. So it's very powerful. And you know what? It's easy to do. It doesn't cost you anything. And, and the, the returns are amazing. So that's about blessing each other. So we should be in the mode of, we don't necessarily need to speak the whole ironic blessing over each other all the time. We just need to be in the mindset of blessing each other when we see each other. Then I just want to say something about speaking life. What does speaking life into each other, what does that mean and what does that look like? We could talk about this for a long time, but I'll just say that there are four things that are key in this, a way of speaking life. One is that, which we just talked about, we can declare scripture over each other. This is um, often a way of encouraging each other and having the backing of heaven. You know, may the Lord give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Um, may he strengthen you. Uh, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for hope in a the future. These are all things that we can pray over each other that are deeply encouraging. And again, they have the backing of heaven. That's one way we can, we can speak life over each other. Another way we can speak over life over each other is to prophesy over each other, especially to prophesy God's destiny and that we would walk in the fullness of everything that God has called us to be. There's nothing like, like prophesying over somebody, especially prophesying over their destiny. And you know, even if you're not the one being prophesied over, it really grabs your attention when you hear somebody being prophesied over and you can come into agreement with that very powerful. Third way is that we can recognize God's gifting in each other. You can say to somebody, wow, you have a really strong prophetic anointing, or, you know, you are, you know, it's clear that you just love bringing people to the Lord. You, you really have the anointing of an evangelist, or you could say, you know, I just feel at peace when I'm around you. These are the things that, that we can say to each other when we recognize God's gifting or his anointing in each other, and it blesses people. It's great to be recognized for what God is doing in us. The fourth way is appreciating godly character traits in each other. For example, you can say, I so appreciate your faithfulness. Did you know that your joy is contagious? I had a friend come up to me after church and she said, I just, 
I want to cry every time I'm around you. Now that that may, that sometimes is maybe not such a good thing, but what she was trying to say was, I feel the presence of God around you, and it's so strong that it makes me want to weep. And and believe me, that was just I I felt good the whole day after that. These are the kinds of things that we we use in the watch to help build each other up. And again, it's just like blessing. It's free. It doesn't cost us anything, and it ends up having great results. Okay, I must say today, you know, in the group I was, the ladies, they were just a warrior. They took, you know, this verse and that verse. Hallelujah was amazing. So glory to God. And I was happy to share with them. Great. Thank you, Roberta. That's awesome. Somebody else go ahead and jump in. We, this is group 10. We had really good group participation. One of the things that was shared, someone shared about speaking shalom, which in the Hebrew means, I didn't realize this, to destroy the authority that binds the chaos. And, you know, God spoke to bring the chaos into order. And then also the power of forgiveness. So we were speaking that because that's so important. So we, we had a lot of scriptures being shared. Amen. Thank you. That's wonderful. Amy, somebody else go ahead and jump in. Yeah, I'll just jump in quick for room four. We all found each other, which was incredible. First feet done. <laughs> but again, it was just a lot of scriptures spoken over each other and just encouraging each other's hearts. And 15 minutes goes very, very quickly. But uh, yeah, it's a joy to be able to do this all together. Amen. That's great. Thank you, Sheldon. Go ahead. Somebody else jump in. Yeah, thanks Fred and Sue for this opportunity. It's just lovely to be able to spend time with a few people. And like Sheldon said, the time goes in no time at all, but lovely to be able to bless each other. So thank you for giving us that opportunity. Great. Thank you, Vic. Somebody else go ahead and jump in. Uh, I'm uh, Hannah. Margaret, room six. <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> go ahead, Margaret. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, room six, we, we also finally walked into our room like those animals that came to Noah's Ark. <laughs> <laughs> and we are blessed to have prayers for each other. It was just a blessing to hear people praying real hard to, to, for others, blessing each other. Uh, this time, as I can say, I have a good time to have many people really pray, like and like yesterday. Amen. Oh, amen. Thank you, Margaret. That's great. Amen. Somebody else jump in. Hannah? Yeah, I was Hannah in room five. And I just, when I came out of the room, I just glanced at my notes at those four things that you talked about, Fred, about speaking life and noticed that we operated in all of them tonight. There was just such a sweet flow. But the main thing for me was just realizing when we left the room, how very positive everyone was, what this does inside our souls and our spirits when we do this for one another is tangible. You can feel it. Yeah. Uh, you can see it in the smiles. You can feel it in the atmosphere. Yeah. And I hear it from all the other leaders as well. This was a very up uplifting session and 15 minutes yes it just flies by but yeah. tremendous flow of the spirit tonight we could have gone on and on oh that's great i think Hannah, you know one of the things that we've noticed is that when you do this it draws in the presence of the lord mm -hmm. and it just keeps it just keeps going and keeps going and uh, and the great thing about this is you can do this anytime any place with you know with many people or just a few and, and this this is the power of it. So I'm glad you really experienced it. Oh, it was wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. I just wanted to share 
that as everyone was blessing and, and speaking blessings, and I was just looking, I just felt the love of the Father for each and every person and how much every one of them mattered. And every he just wanted them to know how much they mattered to him. And I just felt that it was it was beautiful. Great. And group 11 was wonderful. Yeah, that's so God's heart. Each person matters. So good. Go ahead, somebody else jump in. Room 12 was like the rest. Just a, a community desiring to choose to see what God's love's about, to encourage one another, build one another up. And fortunately, I'm blessed that everyone had got to pray tonight. So that was a blessing in itself. Lord bless. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Room three, Latin America. We received mantle of love. It was amazing. And we declare, um, we declare Romans 53, 13. Yeah. Over us was amazing. And the group was very, very fine. All in Spanish. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. You had a big, big group. I think your group was the biggest. So that's great. Romans 15, 13 is a fabulous verse. Fabulous. Anybody else? Did we miss anybody? Uh, we were sent to room two and uh, we were really blessed and really blessed by, you know, when God ask uh, Moses and Aaron to bless Israel. That's God's heart, isn't it? That's God's yeah. heart to yeah. bless his people, to let his face shine upon them. That's that's God's heart. And that really touches me again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm really sensing just for every, I know we've gone over an hour, but really what's happening right now is important. And I do feel like there's some kind of a, a mantle coming down tonight of his presence, of his love over everybody. Yes. Amen. And I guess there's just one word that blessed are the peacemakers, mm -hmm. for they shall be called sons of God. And Father, we just pray that this anointing that's coming down on every head, Father, just flows through our hearts, bringing new wisdom and revelation, favor, understanding, enlightenment of your word in our hearts, that it will never go out. Just receive. Can I just say that I felt that each one had their cup filling up and overflowing, and it was sparkling. The water or wine or whatever was in that was sparkling and overflowing, and every person overflowing with love. It was their cup was filling up with the love and power of Almighty God. Oh, that's so great. No, I, I think that's what we're experiencing is what happens when conflict is resolved. Yeah. Before we close, I just want to emphasize that what happened tonight, and we thank you so much for the comments, it's so helpful. What happened in this hour, it's not random. It's not just a happenstance. It wasn't that God just happened to be in a good mood. 
It, it is what happens when we bless and we speak life. We pray scriptures over each other. You'll find that that happens consistently. And all it requires is for us to be purposeful about doing it. And uh, we will see amazing things. Amen. Okay, great. So Margaret, would you like to unmute yourself and just close us off in prayer, please? Margaret from Canada. Yes, there you are. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love and care towards us as your children. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your presence tonight. And we pray that your presence will remain with us throughout the night as we meditate on these words and that will make a great transformation in our lives together as a body ecclesia, people you have called to be watchmen for all nations. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.